I have, however, learned throughout the years that even the best job in the world, in my eyes, comes with big, big challenges and big downsides. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. And hi Soph, lovely to have you back. Hi Ollie, lovely to see you again, as always, unfortunately on the screen, but it's good to see you again. Are you back in Leicester or are you still in Manchester? No, I'm back in Leicester. Um, yeah, we played Manchester this past weekend, uh, but we travelled back straight after the game because it was an early-ish kickoff. Um, but yeah, I'm back in my house. You seem to be on the road a lot, even more than I am. Um, how often are you at home, at home during the season? Sometimes it feels like I live on the road, to be honest. Um, and sometimes it does feel like I'm away from home more than I am actually at home. Um, but typically throughout the normal season, obviously throughout the week I'm, I'm at home just for away games and then obviously the international duty where we travel a lot. Um, but yeah. So with Leicester, you should be seeing a lot of the UK and with the international team, you should be seeing a lot of the world, shouldn't you? I'd say I travel to a lot of countries, but I wouldn't say I see a lot of the world. I probably recognise countries and places based on the stadiums and the hotels, not what they're famous for. So you don't get any time off during international, uh, during an international camp, for example, to go and actually visit a city or, or visit parts of a country? We may get a an odd afternoon off um, where we do like to go and explore, which is typically just a walk to a nearby coffee shop. But, I mean, the most extreme example is when I travelled to Finland, I was in and out within probably 36 hours. Um, if not even less than that. So no, I didn't see anything from Finland. Um, but I, I guess I can say I've been to Finland, but have I really? Not sure if I could say that. Is that something you expected when you started becoming a professional? Because we talk about a lot of youngsters and a lot of people thinking of football player being a dream job. Um, and this travelling is probably one of it, seeing a lot of the world is that a, a false perception? I think it is, yeah. Um, because as you said, you have this imagination of, of travelling the world and, and seeing loads of different places, and we do, but typically it's different pictures and different hotels, as I mentioned. Um, I wouldn't call it travelling in a sense of getting to know different cultures um, and getting to, getting to know loads of people abroad. Usually we're in our bubble, let's be honest. So with my team... I travel to different places. So we went into this episode without really having a topic and, and just seeing where the conversation is going to lead us. But just hearing this, and maybe we should talk a little about about cliches that people have of footballers. Um, would you be open to talk about that? Yes, definitely. I think it's actually a very important topic. Um, it's obviously getting the in 
the behind the scenes insights and knowing what it really entails. So let's start maybe with the media side because that's where I come from. As a professional and as a person that is in the media, you always have to be ready for the camera. Um, how difficult is it to always have your happy face on? Um, or are you allowed to show emotions? I think we need to, need to show more emotions. I think often we shy away from that. I think we covered it in a previous episode. That is something we are lacking. Um, it is hard at times to put your happy face on. I used to be like that. Tried to always put my happy face on. Um, but I very much learned that that is not who I am. And also that is not what we need in the game and what I need. Um, because why would I show I'm happy if I'm not happy? And I think it, it's with any profession. You are allowed to not be happy. That's part of life. It's an emotion that comes with life. Um, obviously, there's a point where you have to control control this. But I think we need more emotions. Is it a pretty lonely place to be then when you have to always put on that face? Um, I don't think that putting on the face makes you potentially lonely. Um, I think for players potentially that have moved abroad, that have left their families behind, um, people think when you're succeeding, when you're at your best, especially doing the job we do, everyone expects us to love every moment of it. And don't get me wrong, football has given me so many highs and I'm immensely grateful for the life I've had so far. But when we leave training and in previous phases of my life where I didn't have a life, side, life outside of football, it is a very, very lonely place. You just said um, you just said when we're succeeding. What does succeeding mean for you? Because you can be earning a lot of money, which women football is working towards. Um, you can be traveling, which you say can also be a bit difficult when you're constantly around. Uh, uh, on the road what does succeeding actually mean for you for me personally it's about being better than I was the day before but I've not I haven't always had that mindset for me succeeding was winning trophies winning games simply winning was succeeding um and that's a dangerous place because you're constantly chasing a new goal that you're never happy because once you've reach that one goal you're chasing the next and you get into a state where you're always chasing something new without realizing how far you've actually come and without celebrating the small wins so it's almost um unavoidable that you're then constantly chasing something and constantly unhappy about not having achieved that next goal and that is dangerous um i think the perception of when we win silverware trophies when we win games collectively as a team, we're meant to be the happiest we are. Um, but that also comes with, is that really what defines me? Not really. But you're talking about winning and then being in your happy place. But if we look at the start, becoming a professional would have been the success. So... 
as soon as you become a professional and you're playing in the women's super league um shouldn't that have been your success already so no matter what happens now win lose um being a professional is your happy place yes i think i am in my happy place doing what i do but that is simply because i love what i do mm. um and i don't make my happiness dependent on solely winning we talked about the dream job do you would you still consider it your dream job yes for now um there will come a time where i can probably think of a better job in a sense of becoming a professional footballer was always my dream and something i've always worked towards and i've said it many times before i started playing football because i love the game and i still love the game so i do believe i have the best job in the world i have however learned throughout the years that even the best job in the world in my eyes comes with big big challenges and big downsides let's um go back to the clichés again because um i always think as being a professional you have a lot of benefits is that the case like getting sponsorship with i don't know car companies like the men do or or brands with football shoes or whatever is it this glamorous so i think the big issue there is that we are seen as professional athletes which is the right thing but what people don't consider is the massive difference in pay in salary between as an example male footballers and women female footballers women's footballers um so if i talk about car insurances our car insurances as soon as we put down we are professional athletes is extortionate i've asked about this Why? before because and this is the answer i was given we are more likely to have as professional athletes other high profile professional athletes in our car someone said once to me you are more likely to have david beckham in your car and for that you need to be extra insured and my response was like i'm sorry but you are equally as likely to have david beckham in your car than i am <laughs> um i mean i'd love to say i'm more likely but that is far from reality i would love to say i'm more likely to have david beckham in my car but it's simply not true um so that's one one aspect The next one is I went up to Scotland to see my grandparents and I hired a car. So um I booked it all online, went out, said I had a, a reservation or a booking for the car blah blah blah. At no stage in this booking by the way was I asked about my profession. So then they go, "Oh, what's your job?" And I'm like, "Oh, an athlete." And they're like, "Oh, sorry, we can't give you a car." I was like, "Excuse me?" And they're like, "No, sorry, um we don't cover professional athletes." Um so we, there's me saying oh I'm also a student can you not just put a student down and they were like no because if we google you you'll come up as a professional athlete so anyways I stood there and I was like all right what do you want me to do and they're like well we can't do anything I was like well I kind of need a car to go and see my grandparents and they're like well we can't give you one and I was like all right like I was fuming at this point I was like can you at least give me my my money back oh no because you booked through a third party you have to get get in contact with them so at no point did anyone ask me what my profession was while I was booking this car So then I'll get to the front desk relying that I'll get my car to drive up and I didn't get a car. They didn't want to help me. They couldn't direct me to anyone else. They didn't give me my money back. So I literally was standard. Fortunately I found this is ridiculous but I found someone else a different 
um, provider that would give me a car. Obviously, the price was probably triple the amount. Um, and then afterwards, when I was in contact with the third party and saying, this happened, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, it's in our terms and conditions. I read the entire, entire 50 pages of terms and conditions. Nowhere <laughs> state, nowhere did it say, as a professional athlete, we don't cover you. It seems um, like you have a bit of a problem with car insurances. <laughs> yeah, well, I still am, I was still in contact and this was last summer. So it's been a year and no one is willing to pay me. I think it was like 300 quid or something. No one's willing to even show me because I said, can you show me in the terms and conditions where this is stated? I'm yet waiting for a response. We're talking a lot about the, the negative parts, but what are the positive mm-hmm. parts about being a professional footballer? I don't ever feel like I'm going to work. Every morning I wake up and I feel like I'm going to do what I love to do. I'm going to get on the pitch with my teammates and, and graft. Um, yeah, every day comes with its challenges, but every day I wake up and I'm excited to go to football. So is it, so is it cliche correct that you're saying professional football is not a proper job? It is a proper job, but I don't feel like I'm going to work. I feel like I'm going to follow my passion. Would you say you work as much or more than someone who has a nine-to-five job? My job is not limited nine-to-five. My job is 24 hours. Um, Because even my sleep, and this is me being me, is scheduled so I can perform best the next day. Do you think every footballer sees it like that? Should should every footballer see it like that? I guess it depends what you want to get out of it. Um, there was a very nice example where Eden Hazard goes, um, I, even though I was a professional footballer, like I ate what I wanted to. And I drank at times as well, um, because for me, it was always clear that I never wanted to play until I was 40. Of course, if you want to sustain that level until you're 40, probably need a different mindset. Um, but that was never my target, my goal. I, I knew that quite early on. Could I? I don't want to play until I'm 40. But while I'm in it now, I give it my all in a sense of every aspect of my life is almost um, mm. tailored to being the best I can. But you need to be a bit mad about it to really commit 100%. And um, maybe another topic I'd like to talk about, and I'm not sure if it's a cliche or not, but from the outside, it always looks that the team is a unit and they always stick together but on the other hand obviously there's your competition because if if a different centre-back plays you won't be playing or if there's two other centre-backs playing you won't be playing um how's the relationship within the team is it more competition more friends is it just colleagues how would you maybe compare that um you have all three aspects of it within a team you have your colleagues you have your friends you have more competition but um, you always have the people that you're closer with, and that is normal in any job, I think. Um, for the team to be really successful, you have to create the balance between high-level competition, where at times you will miss out, but still that, that overall togetherness. And that is hard to create. Um, the biggest thing is that realising that competition is good, you want to be pushed and at times that means as I said you will not play but you have to mm. create the environment and also individually the mindset 
that that is a good thing. Of course, that depends on how the team is led. Um, if it's, I always say, if it's fair competition, game on. But that's a good thing. That's the exciting part about football. But it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you have a close relationship to someone, you want them to play. If they're in the same position as you, are you happy when they play or are you upset that you're not playing? Both. I'm disappointed and frustrated that I'm not playing, but I'm happy that my friend, the other person, is playing and I want them to do well. I think you can have both. Talking about playing as well, because you said, obviously, if they play, you don't play. Another reason for not playing, obviously, is injuries. And um, I love reading when uh, someone has an injury and it says um, they'll be back on the pitch within six times. And from the outside, it seems like we're going to wait six weeks and you'll be playing again. How hard is this injury phase not knowing when you real, really will be coming back? That, I think, is one of the toughest things about the injuries. You always are given a timeline. I would be very careful in, in sharing this exact date that you're meant to be back. Um, of course, when you have an injury, you get assessed, you get a scan, you get your results, and typically based on research papers, you'll have a time frame when you should be back. I'm all about define odds so those timelines personally for me just give me motivation to prove you wrong in general um but typically when you come back especially from a longer term injury it's almost always the case that when you come back something else flares up um and you'll always have a an accompanying injury that actually has nothing to do with your original injury well, it does because it's it's misbalanced your body, right? You um, overcompensate with one muscle to to compensate the other muscle, um, and then that flares up, isn't it? That what happens most of the times. No, yeah. If you put it that way, yeah. Obviously, the whole body's connected. Um, yeah. If I have if I have an ankle issue and therefore I'm compensating, maybe my my hamstring on the opposite side of my my body goes because it's compensating something like that. There, mm. it is always all related um i think that is one of the frustrating parts especially when once this date or this time frame has been made public people are asking questions if you're not back in those six weeks or you've been told as an athlete you should be back on the pitch running in two weeks time you hold on as an athlete to this two weeks you hold on to that day and if then the medical team decides that you're not quite yet ready yet and um it's all justified but you will be hold holding on to them two weeks to that day and say hold on you said I should be running I will be running of course the medical team will decide obviously with your health in their best interest but you don't want to hear that in that moment you're almost numb yeah. to that yeah I totally understand and also that's one of the aspects that can end your career quite quickly when you are injured um, and that's something you're also not allowed to forget it's um, a business which can be very short-lived um, comparing it with a normal nine-to-five job most of the times you have long-term contracts if not indefinite contracts until you go um, into retirement it's very different with football you you live on a two-year basis one-year basis three-year basis and you never know what's going to happen afterwards do you no and that is another tough side of football um, I wish we could change that a bit with longer term contracts. Um, but that's almost what I signed up for. 
every year or every two to three years, I'm like, oh, I could be in a completely different country. I could be uh, on the opposite side, or opposite side of, of the same country. I could be having to move house again, um, whatnot. So you're almost... And you could not be playing football anymore. That's also an option. Yeah, yeah and that would be probably the harshest one. Um, if I think if that is decided for you, that is the hardest one. And that is... what. Yeah, um, I do understand it from the club side because you are only worth something if you can still play football. You're only worth something if you can really add value to the team. And if not, there's enough other footballers in the pool to replace you. So it's a very hard-fought business, a business a lot of people want to get into from all sides, players, coaches, um, uh, staff, whatsoever. Um, and that's something people do forget when they do aim for that same job and put it all on one card. It's a very risky job to be in. It's a very risky job, yes. Going back to your your mention about when you're injured, you're not worth anything for the, for the business in that moment. 100% understand that from a business point of view, but that's where I think we need to be different. We need to take care of the humans because in the end, I got injured under your supervision. So in the end, you screwed me over a bit. Um, it could have been a non-contact. It could have been... It, it, it happened in the sport, but I was under your supervision. Um, I I get if someone is not trying to come back and it's just kind of um, rocking up, knowing they'll be paid, even though not not given anything. But mm. if I do everything to come back on the pitch... Um, I don't think you should move on that quickly. That's just my personal opinion. Oh, and they can't because they've got long-term contracts with you and long-term meaning two, three years. But obviously, if it's a short-term contract, um, business on the business side, you do understand what's happening behind the scenes, right? Yeah, I'm fully aware of that. And that is the brutality of the sport. Is there a cliche which you hate or which you smile about one of the biggest ones is probably that having the best job in the world I should always be happy it's simply not life it's simply not reality you don't ever have that anywhere the grass um, is green on the other side safe yeah um, or something that really winds me up as well is especially when I go to when I go and watch games and I hear it in the stands and someone makes a mistake they are saying, basically, you should not make mistakes because you're on a certain amount of money. Hold on. That makes zero sense. The amount of times, and I'm just going to put it out that often it's older granddads or older men that have never <laughs> set a foot on the pitch, have never played football to that level in their lives, are saying, oh, how can he or how can she miss that chance? They earn this and this a week. Oh, shut up. Oh, that really gets under my skin. I went to watch our men with dad and there was this guy behind us. He was nagging the whole game. And I just had to look at dad and said, don't you dare say a thing. <laughs> well, it's it's easy to say that from the inside. From the outside, it looks very easy what you do. And you don't know how difficult it actually is to be on that pitch on the men's side, to have all this crowd, what for a pressure it is. And that it's still a difficult game. Yes, and I think 
if you've never put yourself in that arena, which in this case is the football pitch, your criticism is not welcome, thank you. Once you've stepped, <laughs> once you've stepped into that arena and put yourself in that situation, Amolia, I want to hear about your feedback. If you have a cheap seat in the stadium and you are just here to criticise and not contribute anything positively, no thank you, you can leave again, thanks. Don't say that because you need the money. Yeah, we, we need the spectators, that is very true. But I'd also <laughs> like to uh, keep a certain level of fan base. Well, I think that's part of the game and that's what makes it so nice that everyone has an opinion and there's a little to, to discuss when people come back from their away trip or whatever and they come back to the office and they talk all about it. Most of the times it is good stories and positive stories and how well a team did or how they fought together. Obviously, there'll always be criticism as well, but I think that's just part of the game as all these cliches are as well. It's good to have them and for us to be able to talk about them, but they do come from somewhere because as we said, the grass is green on the other side. A lot of people wish for it. And I think it's amazing you made it. And you should be happy, happy um, of where you are and be a little bit, a little bit less negative. Um, and that will get us all where we want to be. Yes, uh, please don't get me wrong, everyone. I love my life. I am very happy. I am just also very keen to share how it's, what it's really like to live the life we do. So thank you very much for giving us these insights. It's been really interesting Interesting how we got here as well. Um, but thank you very much for everyone else listening in. Soph, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And hopefully I'll see you in person again soon. Yeah, hopefully see you in person. Not sure about the same place. Probably same time, <laughs> but probably different, different place. See you I soon, agree. everyone. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>